Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Believe in UCLA football podcast. We'll be here with a new episode for you right after this quick note. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all of your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football right at your fingertips with Bet Online's real updates and statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember, use the promo code BELIEVE to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Believe in UCLA football podcast. My name is James Williams, a reporter and editor for the Orange County Register and the Southern California News Group. And as always, I'm joined here by former UCLA linebacker Josh Woods. Josh, UCLA messed around and found themselves a defense. Um, wow. You're the defensive guy. What are your th- what are your thoughts on the defense? I loved it. I mean, that was like <laughs> one of the best defensive games I have ever seen UCLA play. Just from especially if thinking about all the things that people were worried about going into the week, you have Cam Ward. Mm-hmm. We're, we're we're talking about him being a dual threat. Even Chip was talking about how good of a quarterback he is. They have one of the top offenses in the country. Number three, I think number three, total offense, number two, passing attack in the country prior to the game. And a lot of things we're talking about is, you know, even even in the early non-conference games, just like the the struggles and kind of woes and kind of question marks that the not only just, you know, like the fans, but even you have had about like the secondary and what they're mm-hmm. going to do. So it's like you have a a top offense and passing attack versus questionable, you know, back end. And we were all talking about like, yeah, how's it going to work out? Mm-hmm. And the boys showed up. I mean, yeah, they could have definitely checked out. They could have blamed and just kind of in a way folded and gave up just frustrating of being out there and just the positions that they were put in. And um, we've talked about it before, just how frustrating it can be when, you know, the offense, there's turnovers and you're dealing with some struggles over there. And it seems like you're always on the field or when you're on the field, you're getting uh, put in, you know, backed up positions or terrible positions. And um, yeah, it can be, it can be annoying, but it's just like how you respond and they respond in every, you know, every drive, not, not folding and taking the ball away themselves, fumbles, interceptions, just, you know, stopping the run, shutting everything down. And uh, that's how we hope that they can be for the rest of the year. I mean, even with even with Utah, they 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 responded pretty well as a defense. Thinking about it, holding holding Utah's offense only seven points scored because I mean the pick six doesn't count. So only seven points were really mm-hmm. scored on the defense. Um, so the defense has pretty much stepped up from what we saw in the non-conference games. Yeah, and, they turned it up a notch, even from the non-conference. I think. Yeah, we already know. We already know how the front seven is. 
We talked about that, and mm-hmm. I got Latu, 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 my Heisman right now. So he's doing his thing. He's getting national attention. Uh, we were talking about it on Twitter Spaces, and they were talking about you know some of the the fans and stuff, the regulars in the spaces. They keep up with all things UCLA football, different aspects. So they were looking at some mock drafts that were coming up on their timelines. And, you know, Latu's kind of been in this first round range, you know, but now he's in this one or two draft people. And, you know, I don't want to say they're Mel Kuyper or Dan, Daniel Jeremiah or anything, but the the NFL draft Twitter community some of them have Latu like a top three guy. And I think maybe even if even if he's not a top three guy, it's getting to the point where they're going to say the only thing that's holding him back from being like a top 10 pick would probably be his medical with him having a, having had to retire, medically retire um, from Washington. Um, but I think that's why this year is also important for him, because you could say, oh, last year, you know, he's coming off of the of the neck. He had, That was just one year, right? Like, how is that going to mm-hmm. hold up? It's the same thing they say about Michael Penix, too. He had injuries at Indiana and whatever. He had one good year. He needs to come back another year and do it again. So that's what Latu Latu is doing. Um, but uh, a few things just to take away uh, just from what you said <clears throat> was um, you mentioned, you know, sometimes maybe the defense is put in maybe put in bad spots or, or or whatever based on some of the play of the offense. We'll get to the offense here in a little bit. Um, it doesn't even feel that way or it doesn't even come across that way. Like even in practice or whatever, it's like, you know, it's, it's there. The defense remains complimentary or, or compliment complimentary of the, of the offense. And not that they wouldn't be otherwise, but it's just, I think the defense, I think these guys on defense like being, I just think they like being out there. And the thing is, it's not like they're fighting. It's not like, man, we have to go back again and try and foreign out these guys or, you know, it's not like it's a direct, they're getting turnovers. Like it's not this whole like long process. Right. Like, cause I remember even when you would say like, man, we're back out on defense. Like we don't get a rest or whatever. Or I've heard that before from, from people. And it's just like, Mm-hmm. yeah it's not like that it's like these dudes are almost having too much fun like they would probably prefer to be out there rather than sitting on the bench because they just there's turnovers it's every everyone it's every week it's someone new getting an interception this week was femi and darius if i remember correctly like what uh the utah game was i think uh, well, i one. think what came adrano oh alex, no it was alex alex johnson, johnson had a really nice um interception this week how many interceptions did they have in this game two I thought it was two. So who? Yeah. So it was Alex Johnson and, and Femi. They both had two, and then there was oh, two fumble. There was two I thought fumbles. Darius had one. Okay, I thought Darius had one. Um, that's right. Alex Johnson and, and Femi. Um, two fumble recoveries. Um, a bit of a breakout game for defensive back Jordan Anderson, who was a transfer. Um, I believe that might have been the Bowling Green transfer. He forced both of those fumbles, um, if I remember correctly. I don't know. They they might did they give credit to Latu Latu on one of them? They didn't give it to him. That was the one where I know he, uh, yeah, somebody it. caught it and he kind of retraced and he just seemed like he when he hit the pile. I don't know if he, I don't know who they no, to, but I, uh, they gave it to Jordan Anderson. No, they have Latu as a forced fumble, so there's three forced fumbles according to the box score. Washington State, yeah. Um, but how many recoveries? One of them might. Uh, only two of them was recovered is the thing. 
I oh. think. Um, yeah, only two of them were recovered. So which two? I don't remember, but um, oh, yeah, yeah. So maybe that's why one of them isn't mentioned as much as the others, I guess. Um, but yeah, Latu had one. I mean, just again, you talked about Latu and, and being your Heisman guy. You only he had three solo tackles. Okay. And then one of them was a, a sack for a six yard loss. He had a forced fumble. He had three quarterback hurries. Um, He was also the Pac-12 conference. He was voted by the media as the Pac-12 conference defensive player of the week. He was also the defensive lineman player of the week for the conference. Um, he might have been on some other stuff, but um, yeah, Latu. It's funny because I don't really even see or or like I don't know. Latu's not mentioned a whole. I think it's because he's not getting the tackles. So it's like he'll mm -hmm. have he'll have the sack and he'll have his moment like on TV and stuff with the sack, but then it's just the tackles over and over. Like he only had three, so I'm not you know, kind of seen him as much. And it's funny because like I wrote about him this week and I'm like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but like even even though it says he has three quarterback hurries, I'm sure there's many other opportunities where just his presence and what he's doing on one end is creating opportunities for guys on the other end, right? Exactly. Like it's not, stats doesn't mm -hmm. define, you know, what a player is doing or how, you know, Right. Because there's a lot of things that there's not stats for you. Yeah, assisting and like the attention that he brings. Mm -hmm. You might have to full slide his direction. That's that's saying like the offensive line is, is sliding his way. He might have the running back chipping him and like or having guys add in to, you know, mm -hmm. max protect to, to stop him. And that's only going to open up the other side. So you love being a guy away on the other side of him. So like Gabriel Murphy eating off that and. Mm -hmm. Other guys can eat off that because when something like Latu is playing on the other side of you, you know majority of the protections and the attention is going to go his way, which right. usually opens up for you a one-on-one -on -one either with the backside tackle, isolated, or maybe even the running back, the way the slide is going, getting one-on-one -on -one with a running back is a DN. That should be um, easy work for a defense end. So, um, yeah, Latu is having a, a really big impact on the game, even when he's he's not getting the stat himself. And he's also, I mean, he's always, he is getting the sacks and the, and the stats like that. Mm -hmm. um, and nobody had more than four tackles. So it's not like he didn't, you know, other guys had, right. had like 10 tackles and he only had three. So the most was four. So him having three was just as good as other guys, really. And I think we were talking about like them being interested and fresh out there. I think just the rotation. Yeah, I feel like majority of the game, you're yeah, you're seeing different guys in. You're seeing Femi, you're seeing K Madrano, you're seeing Darius, you're seeing John John, you're seeing like all these other people. Um, Carl Jones and the Murphy mm -hmm. twins and Latu and even Itcherry Lyman. And those guys are really like rotating around. And the energy they have when they are on the field, it's like they're bringing it. They're they're hype, they're juiced to be out there. And whenever, yeah, you're seeing them make lots of big plays rather it's stopping the run or in the pass and all these different things so that's a really it's really really good to see especially like i said with how sometimes they were looking in the in non-conference games was like the talent they're playing against was not that good so like why are san diego state able to complete these passes why you know right. why are these these uh lower tier schools able to seem like they can put drives together and going to conference we we knew uh, we're playing you 
a ranked Utah team playing a top offense in Washington State and then playing next week, uh, Oregon State, playing all these top offenses in the country with a lot of the top, you know, top prospects, Cam Ward, and, I mean, this week playing DJ and even Utah, just the weapons they have. It was mm-hmm. it's kind of like we were worried because we didn't know how they were going to respond and how they would play. You're not in... used to knowing how they're – you like, I mean, you're kind of – you know what they've been in the past, so you kind of still carry that assumption, more or less. Yeah, and we and we didn't know the identity yet. Like we mm-hmm. knew, the, like I said, the front seven how how they right. were gonna look, and they've been all that we thought they were gonna be and hyped them up to be. Uh, it was like the back end. There was a lot of question marks, and we we're always wondering, like, yeah, with all those you know DB coaches on the staff, like you would think that would be a, a group that would be kind of locked down, and um they've continually improved and for them to be able to do this first, like I said, yeah, one of the top offenses, one of the top passing offenses mm-hmm. uh, in the country says a lot, especially because yeah, like this Washington state team just beat the team that you said is playing next week. That's right. So it's not like they were ranked and they they're putting up these numbers versus nobody. And like, they haven't played anybody like they actually have done this versus another Pac-12 team and another ranked team in the conference, in the country. So it's really good to see that. And I'm like excited moving forward. Like once that's that, that makes it even better that our offense didn't play its best game and you beat a, a right team like that. So like to build on in the future of once the offense really gets clicking and firing and scoring how they have done in the past, you say it's going to be a problem. Um. So speaking of the offense and going back to what you said earlier um, about the Utah game, Coming out of this Washington State game, I looked at this as like the Washington State and the Utah game were almost the same. I think it was just a matter of how um, more or less how the offense responded. Um, And by what I mean by that is by like the pick six, for example, right? You had a pick Mm -hmm. six at the beginning of the first quarter and then or the beginning of the game. And, you know, it's just interception and then the pick six. So two really. Yeah, in yeah, the uh, yeah. first or second, I mean, first half. Whenever mm-hmm. the, I don't know, the did the pick six happen in the first quarter as well? The well, the pick six in the Utah game was the first play on offense. The pick six in the Washington State game was the last play or two before halftime for in the Washington State game, and they return it back, and they it goes from UCLA going in with the nine three lead to them being down ten to nine. So, oh yeah, you know, two minutes left in the in the in the second quarter. Oh, was it too? I thought it was even. I thought it was even less time than that. But but still, I mean, that's something where UCLA looking to score, and you're looking at them being up, you know, uh, sixteen or whatever to three. I'm looking at the wrong thing. They it should have been six. Like it should have been sixteen to three. But instead, the seven goes the other way. Obviously, with the extra point, and now Washington State goes into halftime with the lead. And then, so what I mean by that too is like. How does Dante Moore respond to that? Is he does he come out of that halftime rattled? You know, how is he going to be? He comes out, he's fine. Um, he completed twenty two of forty four passes, so he was fifty percent uh, as far as completion percentage. He had two hundred and ninety yards passing. He had one touchdown, which I kind of thought he had more, but he didn't necessarily need to have more considering what his backfield was doing for him. We'll get to that in a minute. But he did have two interceptions. I forgot. I think the other interception, I think what you were mentioning there was, I think the other one did come in the first half too. Um, if I remember correctly, I think both of them were in the first half. 
Um, so it was, yeah. I mean, it, it was, you know, I mean, the, we could talk about the, the running backs here in a minute, but kind of curious about, actually, this leads into a question from, uh, Jack on Twitter. I have the question here somewhere. I kind of remember the question. It was more or less, how long does it take for a freshman to get familiar uh, with the playbook and really kind of be settled in, um, at quarterback to have a true freshman kind of get familiar with the system and, and really be comfortable kind of based on what your experience. I think we may have talked about this before, but just kind of based on your mm-hmm. experience with DTR and with Rosen, like just kind of watching those guys, like what is the, I don't want to say the timetable because everyone's different. Everyone moves at their own speed, but like how, when did you feel like they were where they needed to be um, as a true freshman? Like, you know, where yeah, they, I mean, that's now. why it's like, everybody's different. You know, mm-hmm. it, it can't be, uh, you know, how long take a freshman. It's like everybody is literally different. And that could be just the way that they, in high school, they didn't have to read defenses. And like college, you start, you know, starting to learn and pick up and read defenses better. And even, even thinking about it, like Mahomes, <clears throat> I think it was a few years ago, he was like, yeah, I barely started being, I think I'm pretty sure he was like he barely started being able to read defenses and know what they like. So that's Pat Mahomes after Mm. he was already lighting up, learning more about. So it's like you can play well and not really know what you're doing Mm. at at the same or or you can be a kid that's like really smart and pick it up really fast. I mean, everybody's different. I don't think it has to do with freshman. I think it's just about like the person and their development and like how yeah how quick they can pick up the game, pick up this different speed, pick up the the different coverages and tendencies and all those types of things. Like I think every year a quarterback can get better in college. You know what I'm saying? These are not NFL guys yet per se, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I've seen the development of Josh Rosen and DTR. Like not only did they get better as time went along as quarterbacks, but they both got better as leaders. Um, Both got better as teammates. Like all those Mm -hmm. things really do factor into how you play when you uh, are able to bring other guys along and build, develop the chemistry um, with the different receivers and even with the coaches as well. Like certain, I've seen something where he's talking about like play calling with Dante, like him yep. telling Chip, like, that's what I, I don't, like, you know, I'm not really feeling this play and he take it out. So like mm-hmm. things, things like that go, go a long way when it, when you're starting to, you know, get into the season and the flow of just having the chemistry between, um, the quarterback and chip. And then we, I think we really did see that over the years with Dorian, um, him and chip, you could tell that their relationship uh, was pretty close and, um, they started to understand situations better and probably play calling and like things that Dorian had to learn as a, as a quarterback and things that, uh, chip had to, had to learn about, you know, Dorian as a quarterback and that thing. And I think we're seeing it again, of course, having, you know, a true freshman in there and, uh, just adjusting to, you know, all the new things that, that he hasn't really experienced from high school to college and Chip figuring it out and they're they're figuring out, you know, play calling and style and things because there's certain plays that Chip probably ran last year that with Dante he can't run, but there's other things that Chip probably thought about with Dorian and probably didn't fit what Dorian wanted to do and it could he's been Dante, waiting. So. <laughs> he's yeah, been waiting like, to use like, it. <laughs> yeah, because it's like different types of quarterbacks, you know. So right. Certain things would work that, you know, won't work and vice versa. So I guess we're seeing that. And, and like I said, yeah, it's not that it's just a freshman. It's, it's just the, how, a, how a person's football IQ and football just 
prowesses, prowesses. So we'll see. Yeah, I thought it was uh, kind of interesting, kind of going off what you said there. So uh, Dorian, not Dorian, excuse me. Uh, Dante's quote was, uh, being the quarterback, you want to talk to your coach, especially Chip Kelly or Coach Kelly, because he's an offensive-minded guy and he's the one calling the plays. The two weeks we had to get ready for the Washington State game, I went into his office and sat down to communicate with him what I what what do I like with what I do like and what I don't like. Um, if I don't like it, he can change my view of things. But if I said, Coach, this play really isn't fitting with me, he can just cancel it. So, I mean, that's kind of like, that's like big boy growing up hours right there, right? Where you're like, you know, a lot of people, if, I mean, I was a quarterback. I don't think I would have the balls to go in my, to go into the, co- especially Chip Kelly's office and say, this play doesn't work for me, coach. And I don't think he's saying it like, if you're just, if you're not reading it, but it, like, if you're just reading it and not picking up the tone of which he said it during the press conference, then it could come off like, who the hell is this guy? But I think it's, I think he, he's just like, this you know like uh maybe it's maybe it's they have to have that conversation where it's like i can't run like dorian coach like i can't do that or whatever you know what i mean like no yeah and i think it's 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 yeah it's not that it's a humility thing as far as mm-hmm. he understands his game and he's like okay that's a read i'm not too um, right. comfortable with yet mm-hmm. you know it's a thing of like yeah i don't know if i can make this read that quick and being able mm-hmm. to, to know what they're in to know if this play will work right, right. away but that's not saying that he won't be able to later on in the year. It's just right, right. now, coach, I'm just being honest with you. Like That's humility. But you want that honesty from him rather mm-hmm. than him tell Chip like, oh, yeah, cool. I got it. Just when being he, a yes man and then struggling. Yeah, both. in the game. Yeah, it's like I, right. th- I thought you I thought you had it, you know. So mm-hmm. that's that's good that he feels comfortable enough to tell Chip something like that. And I think it's good. I mean, again, I think the bye week came at a good time for them, especially because that Utah game, that was his first conference game. That was his first true road game. That was his first college loss. So there was a lot for him to kind of kind of to that there's a lot for him to kind of to kind of have to sit on and unpack there during that bye week, right? So yeah, it's not it's not like it was just a loss or a win. I think it was pretty it probably came across a little bit more rewarding for him than um than just that um as we kind of hit the final couple minutes here there's still plenty of stuff we could talk about but um i want to get to the the backfield and your thoughts on on uh keegan jones carson Steele, and tj harden i remember telling you i don't know if it, i guess right before we started recording uh this was the first game where the the carries weren't evenly distributed if if uh if the game ended so far this season up into the washington state game if Every game ended, it was usually 11 carries for TJ Harden, 11 carries for uh, Carson Steele, and that was pretty even. Now you had, I think it was, what, 30 carries for uh, Carson Steele. TJ Harden had 11. You know, uh, Chip said Foster calls the plays, does the set, not doesn't call the plays. Foster handles the substitutions and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if Carson Steele was just a hot hand um mm-hmm. did did you see anything out of that or, or i mean 141 yards i mean something was working for carson Steele that day i mean i kind of imagine that this would would kind of be the the rotation mm-hmm. tj harden is still younger and developing and figuring things mm-hmm. out um and he's only going to get better carson Steele being a workhorse that you know was an older guy we knew it's going to go on and then i know keep 
everybody like Keegan Jones has been around and he probably knows the system better than a lot of people. And I, mm-hmm. there's times where he's kind of slotted, uh, slotted out at receiver. Right. Um, but he's a real switch up compared to uh, Carson and TJ as far as he's a speedster. He um, reminds me a lot of uh, Felton. Kaz, really. Oh, kind of, yeah. I would say Kaz more than more than uh, Felton as far mm-hmm. as like they both have a little bit more speed, like quick quickness to them. Yep. Um, and it's crazy. Like we're we're talking about. It's crazy how much like. Keegan only had a few carries and had those touchdowns, and it made you think like he was, dang, <laughs> yeah. he like was the leading back. But then it's like mm-hmm. Carson still really, I mean, he finally broke a hundred for first time as a Bruin mm-hmm. and having like one forty one and yeah, thirty carries. Like I hadn't seen any running backs really like before, like even with Paul Perkins, I don't ever remember him having like thirty carries. And then the first person where I seen like where they really were feeding which, uh, when Chip came in was Josh Kelly. That's when I was like, oh, if they think the run is there, they're gonna feed them. So for Foss to be like Carson, you're gonna get these thirty carries. It it was definitely uh he mm-hmm. had the hot hand, he had the the flow, and it very much could be TJ Harden in another game, just the way oh, yeah. that the offense works. So, and and I think it's pretty safe to say that they saw something. I mean, it could have been before the game, but during the game at the very least where they said, we can plug Keegan Jones in here and use his speed. They ran the exact same play twice and scored on it um, for two of the three times he had a carry in the game. I mean, that's pretty obvious, right? It, like the, they saw something there where they can take advantage with speed out of the backfield and it worked for them. I mean, yeah, and, and yeah, if Carson's still running like that, you're going to tie it out the mm-hmm. defense and then put a running back like Keegan in and she's going to – gas a you know exhausted tired defense in front seven mm-hmm. you might as well use all your tools when you have them see but again and again it's different games different teams different situations yada 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 but it's like i felt like again so the same way i said oh the only thing difference was the you know was the offense from the utah game to the washington state game but i feel like they try to do more or they or they they try I don't know maybe I don't know like you know if if I'm if I'm someone playing for UCLA I'm like hell why why didn't we use Keegan Jones in the Utah game or something I would imagine he traveled I would I would imagine he was there um, mm-hmm. you know uh, they were good they got the tight end more involved they got Mo um, the transfer from Oregon more involved he he only had three catches but he had 70, 76 yards. You had Hudson Hammermill. He had one catch, but it went for 43 yards. You had Carson Ryan, who had two catches and finished with a total of 41 yards. Um, three tight ends. Uh, of the three tight ends in the game that played, the they each had a catch that was uh, – their longest catch of the game was – or their longest play, whatever, based on a reception, was uh, 27 yards for Carson Ryan. Hudson Hammermill had the 43 and then Mo had 29 yards. I mean, you got your tight ends out there like deep threats. <laughs> um, I mean, but that that's like a lot of that is just game plan where mm-hmm. thinking about it, if you're running the ball a lot, that means you have a lot of tight end sets and that other team has to bring in more bigger bodies to stop the run, right? So right. when they, they have the box loaded up and they're ready for the run mm-hmm. and they think it's going to keep coming and then you finally play action, slip a tight end out, 
Right. And he's been blocking the whole time. You have bigger bodies, so less cover guys in there. That can open up your defense. I mean, that can make the defense vulnerable and open spots up in the defense for tight ends to get open and these other things. So it's kind of like you're playing you're playing off each other between the running backs and the, and, and I'm saying and the tight ends being able to get open. So that could be a lot of the the you know what they felt that they could do this week and maybe that just wasn't the game plan in Utah or they didn't think that they'd be able to you know get these same plays against Utah. So it it wasn't really an option there, you know. So you know, I don't know. You never know, like just what the adjustments are and what the game plan was going in. And but moving forward, I hope we build on it. And like I'm saying, once the offense starts clicking and matches how the defense is playing, these games won't even be close. No, I mean that's what I'm saying. If you like, if you take away those two interceptions that Dante had, if those turned into points, like this game could have been a lot bigger of a, you know, of a I was like the, the, the pick six was, uh, UCLA yeah. was on the verge of scoring there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But I want to give a shout out to the good folks over at UCLA, i.e. wearing the t-shirt. I love that the game. Did you see it? Yes, I did. I was like, man, that was awesome. That was awesome. That was cool. Uh, to see to have her wearing that out at the Rose Bowl. Um, so yeah, special shout out to her, and a special thanks as always to Josh Woods for joining us on the podcast. Uh, he's gonna go on and prepare for practice and everything he needs to get ready for his upcoming game with the BC Lions. But just want to give you some quick thoughts on Oregon State. Oregon State. Uh, has been a solid team. They UCLA has not had to play at Research Stadium, I believe, since 2016, if I remember correctly. And I don't think they've even played Oregon State since 2019, if I remember correctly. So that was even before the pandemic. Obviously, uh, every two years, they cycle through the Oregon and Washington teams. And now this year would have been the first of two years with Oregon State and Washington State. Obviously, that is not the case with the Pac-12 splitting off into different directions next season. A familiar face for Southern California folks out here uh, will remember quarterback DJ Ui Unga Lele. The former St. John Bosco quarterback went to Clemson, spent a couple years there before transferring out, and is now at Oregon State through the transfer portal. Uh, there, If you guys remember correctly, me and Josh had talked about DJ potentially uh, looking at UCLA as a possibility after Dorian Thompson Robinson declared for the draft, obviously he had ran out of eligibility, so they were in need of a quarterback. But DJ decides to go with Oregon State. Oregon State was a pretty solid team even last year. This is not a surprise with what Oregon State is doing this year. They were about a quarterback away, according to college football pundits, of being able to take that next step even last year under Jonathan Smith. And I think it was important for Jonathan Smith to go ahead and find himself a quarterback this year. So when you have someone like DJ on the market, you go ahead, you get him in the transfer portal, and you can kind of plug him in and build around him. Now, I believe he does have a year to come back, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, this could very easily be his one and only year at Oregon State. That remains to be seen. Uh, DJ is also coming off of his best game of the season. There's no doubt about that. Um, and again, just his best season with the Beavers so far. Obviously, that goes hand in hand. But he completed 19 of 25 passes for 275 yards. He also had five touchdowns and no interceptions. The interesting dynamic at the quarterback position there for the Beavers is they have Aiden Childs, who is a Downey High alum, 
Um, obviously, I love the sound of that because I went to Downey High as well. But the Downey High alum, Aiden Childs, does get in for about a series or so every game. Uh, they're trying to get him reps, kind of get him situated at the quarterback position for the Beavers, as I mentioned, with DJ likely not to be back next year. Having someone like Aiden Childs is important for the Beavers as they continue to uh, figure out what's going to be next for their football future. Obviously, they're still not in a conference at the moment, but they want to continue to keep a guy like Aiden Childs happy so that they can have him as their quarterback for the future. Uh, so again, you'll continue to see him get some reps. It won't be very many. And again, maybe depending on the way this game plays out or maybe depending on the performance of UCLA's defense, that may play a factor in how Aiden Childs is used in this game. Again, I think if you're UCLA's defense, you will want to have DJ win the game for Oregon State. And what I mean by that is I think UCLA should be able to handle its own, ideally, against Oregon State's run game that's led by Damian Martinez. Damian Martinez had 17 carries for 90 yards. Uh, he only lost one yard, so he had a net total of 89 yards, and he did have a touchdown. But he's been a solid guy for them and was their primary uh, offensive weapon even last year. As I mentioned, when they didn't have a quarterback, they were leaning heavy on Damian Martinez, so there was an emphasis on him coming into the season. So now that they got some guys, both at quarterback and at running back, I think this offense does have the opportunity to do some things. But again, it will be up to the play of UCLA's defense led by Tulatu and the Murphy Twins up front to kind of stop the run and also try and put that pressure. And it will be important for the UCLA defense to put the same pressure they put on Washington State and Cam Ward last week, again this week, when they play against DJ and the Beavers. DJ does have the ability to run with the ball. Again, we saw some of that with Cam Ward as well. Uh, again, UCLA's defense did handle that well. I think this game will come down to what UCLA's offense does under Dante Moore at quarterback again, and also what Oregon State's defense will look like coming into this game. I believe they're coming off one of their more rockier starts. They were held in high regard to start the season. They are 5-1 and one on the season, 2-1 and one in conference. Again, this is an Oregon State defense that did allow 40 points last week to Cal. And I think UCLA will be able to take advantage of some of those same opportunities that Cal did uh, just based on the offensive mind that Chip Kelly has. And again, I think a lot of it will depend on the play of Dante Moore. I think there's some mistakes that still need to be cleaned up. Of course, in each of the last two games, he's had a pick six at some crucial times. The one against Utah in the very first offensive play. And then again, the very last play before halftime, you're also throwing a pick six. I think you need to eliminate those. And if you can do that, and not have any other turnovers, fumbling the ball, et cetera, on offense. You allow yourself to be in good shape to cause some havoc. But, again, I think you also need your defense to come up with a few turnovers here, too. And they've been successful at doing that. You had Femi and Alex Johnson get some interceptions. You had Jordan Anderson force two fumbles. You had Liatu Latu force a fumble in this last game against Washington State. Now, that's all great and fine, but now you're looking at someone like DJ. Again, you're looking last week, DJ didn't throw an interception. I would expect that Damian Martinez is not going to fumble very many balls. So I think you need to come and win the turnover battle in this game at Reeser if you're expecting to be successful. Now, this is an important game at this point in the season, and if you just look at the schedule, they're in the toughest stretch that they'll probably have. That doesn't mean... There aren't some games that they can stumble and lose later on in the season. And obviously, they still have USC to play later on in the season. Now, you're in the meat of the schedule. 
You just beat Washington State, who has the number two passing attack. Now you're going, you're playing a solid team in Oregon State that's also ranked in the AP top 25 this week, along with USC, UCLA, and some of the other Pac-12 schools. Now, a win not only gets UCLA over the hump in the meat of their schedule and gets them ready for uh, what would necessarily be called some easier opponents, but I don't know if there's necessarily an easy opponent in the Pac-12. But again, it is important because winning this game only further improves your AP top 25 rankings. Again, maybe that doesn't mean something entirely at the end of the season. But obviously, if you look at the AP top 25 rankings and what the college football playoff rankings will look like later this season, just going off of what has kind of been in the past, it's kind of similar, right? So you want to position yourself in as good of a spot as possible for when the college football playoff rankings do come out. And I think UCLA has an opportunity to do so this week. Again, this game is important for UCLA because you're sitting there in the AP Top 25 poll at number 18. You have Oregon State sitting there at number 15 in the AP Top 25 poll. Now, again, at the end of the day, maybe the AP Top 25 poll isn't the end-all, be-all, but it does kind of set the pace, uh, whether anyone will admit it or not, for what the college football playoff poll will kind of look like based on past seasons. I've kind of seen those two polls kind of be hand-in-hand. Uh, so when the AP top 25 poll kind of hands that baton over uh, in some regard to the college football playoff rankings taking over as the primary ranking for the college football season, you're going to want to be in as best a position as possible. And I think UCLA has that opportunity to do so this week. So again, a very important game. You got to stop the run and Damian Martinez, you have to kind of contain and put that pressure on DJ, if you can do those two things and play uh, mistake-free offensive football if you're UCLA, then I think you're in a good position to win this game. It is a road game. Anything can happen in the Pac-12, especially when you're playing on the road. But if they can cut out the crowd noise and do some of the things I just listed, I think UCLA will be in good shape. So with that being said, thank you guys so much for listening to the Believe in UCLA Football Podcast. We can't thank you guys enough, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, having you guys send in some different photos of you guys wearing the shirts uh, is very much appreciated. If you don't have a shirt, make sure you check out the podcast description below for this episode. And there are links to some of the t-shirts that we do have available. They do come in different colors and everything that you need to get you ready for the next time UCLA is playing at the Rose Bowl later this month. They will be taking on Colorado. That's supposed to be a throwback game. So make sure you guys go out and support the Bruins and support your favorite podcast at the same time. Go ahead and order those shirts. I'm not sure uh, entirely what the shipping process is. I can't remember. I, I got a couple shirts early when they were first released. So it's been a while. But make sure you order those shirts. I think the sooner you order them, obviously, the more likely you are to have them for the next game that, again, comes against Colorado later on at the end of the month. So, Again and again and again. Thank you guys so much. I can't thank you guys enough. Josh can't thank you guys enough. So, as always, keep the questions coming in. Make sure you reach out to us on Twitter. We have that info provided as well in the description of the podcast episode. Again, I keep telling you guys, everything you need to get you ready and to continue to support this podcast and this content is available in the description. Leave a review, and we would be more than happy to continue to provide this content for you guys this season, next season, and the season after that. Because there's a lot of UCLA football to talk about ahead, and we're happy to bring it to you. So for Josh and myself, thank you guys so much. And as always, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Thank you, everybody. This is the Believe in UCLA Football Podcast presented by Bet Online.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.